Good morning. Uh, so happy to be with you this morning. A uh, special happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, you know, if you've been traveling along with us, this is actually the concluding message of our current scripture talk series, The Elephant in the Family Room. And today, this is a message for the dads, for the men. Uh, but don't worry, there's application points for, for each of us. Uh, so I want to talk and, and begin with our pastors to ponder. And that's from 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 8. You know, the, the Apostle Peter here, he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And that whole idea that love covers a multitude of sins is just this idea that these little offenses and maybe these ways that we can um, harm each other in not, not extremely damaging ways, but in these ways that we kind of can offend one another, love covers that. And so Peter is really, his inspired words here really guide us in our, in our scripture talk series about families. So as I said, it's family, it's uh, Father's Day today. And you know, for the dads on this day, I, I know you want to uh, sit back, you wanna enjoy this day, take a breather. And I get it because I think you, you deserve it today. Um, I get some of the pressures that you are feeling. Uh, you know, you have concerns, you have concerns, things like pay, paying the bills. You have concerns about being, um, you know, how you're gonna keep your own marriage healthy. And let's say if you're, if you're, if you're not married, you know, you might have concerns about finding the right spouse, um, you know, also becoming the right spouse. Uh, there's lots of concerns for dads, right? You got work demands, you could have your own health concerns, right? Um, for instance, there can also be even just these external pressures about what it means to be a man today and, and how it means to be a father today. And you have your own internal pressures that way too. Uh, you might be here this morning and you might also have a lot of questions about God and maybe questions about circumstances that you find yourself in. You know, if you're like many of us as well too, you have regrets. And there might be some things that if you could go back in time and make some better decisions or different decisions, you would. And so fathers and dads and men out there, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from today. Um, but today's message, while it's definitely a Father's Day focus, it's not exclusively that. So for the ladies, for the moms, for the young adults, you have, uh, you're gonna have some very practical take homes I think will benefit each of us. So let's look at it today. Um, we're gonna, find out ways from our triune God about some five about best practices for fantastic dads. And I have five of them today, five best practices of fantastic dads today. And really these five best practices, you're gonna see that they're all kind of focused on the love languages, right? If you're familiar with the concept of love languages, these are ways we express our love. So, you know, I'm gonna talk about today a little bit of words of affirmation, gift giving, acts of service, uh, physical affection and quality time. So we're really gonna look at that and we're gonna look at how God the Father, how he shows um, the best way to be a father. So let's go find ourselves first. Let's open up scripture to Matthew three. And this is a big moment. This is the baptism of Jesus. And this is such a cool milestone marker for Jesus. And you know, in, the, in verses kind of 11 through 15 here or 13 through 15, Jesus is talking to um, John, the baptizer. And, you know, Jesus comes to him and, and John's been baptizing so many people, but, you know, he actually sees Jesus and he says to Jesus, well, you should baptize me. And Jesus says, no, you know, this is what we should do. This is the right thing to do. 
And I love that because Jesus tells us what to do, but he models it too. He shows us. He tells us and he shows us. So let's pick it up here in verse 16. And we're going to find out that one of the best practices for fantastic dads are that fathers are at their best when they're present. So in verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Isn't that so cool? This is a big milestone marker for Jesus and his heavenly father is present. Uh, you know, presence is remembered. Um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to grow up with a father and you had a good experience with your father, um, you might be able to think back to different moments in your life when your father was there. And, you know, these are often the best moments that sometimes we can experience with a dad. I remember for me, um, you know, I play a lot of sports growing up. And so we're often all over the place uh, traveling, you know, for baseball, or for basketball. Sometimes my mom would be with my brother, uh, but sometimes it'd just be myself and my dad. And we'd be driving to basketball or baseball or, or some other sport. And, um, you know, these are moments that were really good. These are moments where we talk about life, we talk about sports, we talk about the game. Um, these are also moments where, uh, you know, your dad can trap you because, you know, you're on the highway at high rates of speed. So this is a perfect time for him to have the sex talk with you, right? You're kind of trapped. You're not going to risk it. So we had those moments too. Uh, sometimes I remember just sitting back and, um, and driving and listening to music, right? And my dad, he'd, he'd play. Uh, he played Bob Marley or Teddy Pendergrass or uh, Neil Diamond or Phil Collins or someone like that. And it's funny because as a, as a teenager, you know, you can be a little bit resistant. Like, OK, this is what my parents listen to. But I, I, could, I came to realize, like, man, I love some of these songs. Right. I love some of them. And <laughs> these are just really great moments. So just my dad being there present with me, having conversations, that was such an important thing for me. We can see here in this passage that God, the father, he's re he's present in a real way, in a tangible way, way here at a significant moment in Jesus's life. Unfortunately, though, the opposite is also true. So, you know, absence that can lead to regret. And the thing with absence is that it leads to these really painful times. And, and sadly, you know, missing moments in our children's life that can have lead to some really deep, uh, deep loss. And, and the tough thing about it is that often when these moments are missed, we can't go back to get them. But I just want to encourage you that although we can't go back to get them, we can change today. Uh, so today, if you have the chance to go forward, we can actually be very present. And here's a challenge with being present. We can be present physically, but not necessarily present emotionally or mentally. We often have these devices that are very great, but they can also distract us well. So, you know, a little tip for you. Sometimes when you're, if, whether you're having dinner or you're just there with your child, put these devices away. That helps you to be present and in the moment. Another tip for you. If you have younger kids, this is a great opportunity for you to try coaching or coaching a team or, or something like that. If they have an interest, like learning an instrument, try to learn an instrument alongside them, right? Also in the church, you can serve in your child's ministry area. Right. We're always looking for um, parent leaders in the in these areas. 
You can also be a parent volunteer at your school. These are really great ways that you can be present in your child's life. If you have uh, kids who are youth or young adults, right, try to have like a monthly date with them. Try to go there and just to have that time with them, go get ice cream, go get chicken wings, do something non-food related, go exercise with them, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, for those, for children in that age group, you can ask them what they would like to do. Find out what they're interested in. And, you know, after they say nothing and they don't want to do anything, that's when you come up with your own ideas. And some of these ideas there to be active and kind of have a date with them. Another important thing about this, you know, influence requires participation. So presence is important, but an active presence is even more important. As we can see in this, in this passage at Jesus' baptism, God the Father, he's present and he's active right? He is participating in his son's baptism. It says the spirit of God um, descended on Jesus like a dove and it, it lit, it lit him. And so that is amazing, right? God is actually very active and present at this big milestone marker for Jesus. It's just one of these things. We can be there in those important moments and even in those mundane moments, but we can play with our kids. We can be interested in what they're interested in. And when we do that and we let them know that we're available, um, that actually just encourages them to kind of do what they're good at. And that encourages their participation in our lives as we participate with them. So that's one thing. Another good best practice. Fathers are at their best when they speak words of affirmation. So in this same passage here, we're going to look at how God the Father speaks words of affirmation to Jesus. One of the ways he does this is he speaks words that affirm identity. We're going to look at it in this passage in just a minute. But let me tell you what uh, some verses in the Bible, what they say about identity. Identity is such a big issue today. We all know that in, in today's culture. But, you know, in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 16, it says, For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And verse 14, I love it, says, David, this is the words of David, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell your child that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They were knit together in their mother's womb. That's a beautiful thing to hear. Isaiah 49, this is a really good one. Isaiah 49, the first two verses, they say these things. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and he's talking about himself, but this applies to all of us. It says, before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name right? The Lord has called your child to do something, has called each of us to do something, but we can tell this to our children, called us to do something from the beginning of our mother's womb. It says also in Isaiah, the next verse, it says, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. It's got this militaristic language to it, a sharpened arrow. What's an arrow for? An arrow is to hit a target. God actually made you to be on target for him. There's a purpose in your creation. That's a word that we can speak to affirm our child's identity. You're made on purpose for a purpose. And finally, Ephesians 2 says this. It says we're God's work of art. It's, it says that um, Paul here says we're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he prepared for us long ago. You are a masterpiece. Your child is a masterpiece, God's masterpiece and a work of art. These are words that express your child's true identity in Christ Jesus. These are things that as fathers, as parents and caregivers, we want to speak over our children regularly. And so again, going back to our passage here too, what does God the Father say at baptism? He says, this is my son 
I love it, right? God, the Father says to Jesus, this is my son. You are the son of God. And people hear it. In Luke's account, you know, other people hear the audible voice of God during that time. And we know that even in this moment, this is such a huge thing, right? We can affirm our child's true identity. And we can actually encourage them to become the best version of themselves, just like God the Father does to Jesus here. Also, we can... Um, we can affirm words that declare love. Uh, the first, the next thing that God the Father says, this is my son whom I love. Tell your children, tell your youth, your young adult child, how much you love them, right? Um, kids need to hear that. You know, even at my age, I'm 38. I still love hearing that from my mom. I think that is such a beautiful thing when she tells me she loves me. And I loved hearing it when my dad was alive. I loved hearing it when he would say it. Don't buy into this, um, this belief that uh, the older that they get, you know, older children get, they don't need to hear that you love them. No, they really, really do. Um, it's very important to tell them you love them. Tell them you love them when there's celebratory moments, moments that you can just cheer them on, tell them you love them. But also tell them you love them when there's a remorseful or a regretful moment. And maybe it's at that time they actually need to hear that you love them even more so when they felt like, oh, they have, they've messed up big time. They, maybe that's when they really need to hear that you love them. So God the Father says, this is my son whom I love. Another thing he does, he expresses words that, that express good pleasure. Uh, God the Father says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Celebrate the good things your children do. Let them know how proud of, uh, how proud of them you are. And hear me on this one. Jesus, right? He, he wasn't created. He's always been the son of God. He's always been divine, you know, but he, his incarnation, he, he kind of comes into the flesh. He moves into the neighborhood. Jesus is fully God, fully man. A little, little theology here as we're going. So Jesus has always been divine, but functionally at the baptism right now, at his baptism, this is the moment he becomes the Messiah. The uh, Messiah means the anointed one. So this is the moment functionally he is prepared to become the anointed one. And it's really amazing because if you look at the very next verse, the very next scene, um, it says that Jesus is led into the wilderness by the spirit of God to be tempted by Satan. Think about this. This is a huge moment, the beginning kind of Jesus's um, earthly ministry. And God the Father speaks these words of love, speaks these words that, that um, of his identity, speaks these words of affirmation and good pleasure over him. As fathers, as parents, caregivers, it's so important that these types of words that we speak, they actually help prepare our children for the challenges that come, right? Jesus hears in this moment that he is the, the son of God, that he's loved, that his, God, that his father is happy with him, and then he goes to face Satan. This is a key for us. We know our children are going to have challenges in life. And one of the best ways to prepare them is to speak these words that encourage them and that lift them and build them up. That's such a good thing for us to know. Um, and as there are challenges in life, right, we, we get it. Um, sometimes our children are not going to do um, their very best. Sometimes they're going to make mistakes. We know we made mistakes. And so we know that they will too. And that's why it's so important, actually. Um, to shower them with grace. And of course, again, this is just the, the best image. God the Father, he showers us with grace and he shows us how we can respond.
So the, the third and our final point for today, um, fathers are at their best when they lead with grace. Let's look at um, the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son from Luke 15. This is such an important one. Um, you know, if you've been around the Bible for, uh, you know, if you've been around church, around the Bible for a while, you're probably familiar with this story. But for those of you that haven't, um, maybe you don't know about this one. But either way, this is a good reminder for all of us. You know, here's the scene. Jesus is telling a story and he is trying to illustrate what the kingdom of God is like, what heaven is like, what the world was made to be. And he tells this story, though, of a adult son. And this adult son, he, um, he comes to his father and he says, you know what? I just want my inheritance right now. You're alive, but I just kind of, why don't you just kind of give me my inheritance and I'll kind of go on and be, out my, be on my way. And this is really hugely disrespectful, especially in this culture. It's like to saying, you know what? I don't really care if you're dead or alive. I don't want to wait till you're dead. I just want the money that you owe me right now. So the son does this. And then he goes and he lives his life and he lives quite recklessly and he loses it all. He loses all the inheritance his dad had given him. He offended his dad. He got the money and he just lived so recklessly. And he's at a really low point in his life. And this is so crucial to the story because when we're on, um, when it's our children or ourselves, but when we go through these moments where we feel like we messed up big time, there's so many temptations that we have in those moments. Um, we can have the temptation to just have these condemning um, thoughts, like this just a severe punishment of ourselves. Um, we can kind of feel, have feelings of worthlessness or even this extreme, extreme regret that leads to like depression and anxiety. And um, sometimes, you know, some persons we can start to, you can start to spiral, right? You can think of, um, your children could be facing in these moments where they make some really heavy mistakes, they might think, you know what? I messed up in the past. I'm always gonna mess up. What's the point of even trying? And they can just start to spiral and go um, down the wrong direction. It's at these moments, as I said earlier, where your child needs to know that you do love them and there's nothing that they can do to be outside um, your love today. So this is where the son, this is where we meet the son, where he's at kind of his lowest point. And we're gonna see here what Jesus' picture of his father, how he responds. So the son, it says, when he came to his, his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Pause right here. This is actually a good thing. The way the son responds he um, actually realizes he has made a, a big offense to heaven and to God, or sorry, to, to God and to his um, earthly father. And he actually does have these feelings of like remorse that having to go back, but he he's lost a sense of identity here. He doesn't think he's worthy enough to be called a son anymore. So uh, picking it up, it says, so he got up and he went to his father. Um, but while he was still a long way off, hear this, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Beautiful. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. This son said to him, the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What a beautiful picture. Jesus is telling this story to give you an illustration of what our heavenly father is like. And it's such a good story for us as earthly fathers today, right? We see in this moment, the son is at his lowest point. He doesn't consider, he's lost a sense of identity. He's lost a sense of worth and value. He doesn't think he's loved, but he's coming back because he knows he's made a mistake, but he wants to come back as a servant. And what does the father do? He expresses grace. And quickly here, grace shows up through expressions of affection, right? The father throws, it says he saw him off at a long distance and he ran towards him and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. These um, expressions of affection are so good. Um, You know what? Children, no matter how old they are, they need to have expressions of affection from their fathers. That's such a good thing. Don't be afraid to show your children affection. Um, The second thing that the father does that shows grace, grace shows up through gift giving. For many people, actually, gift giving is such an important, um, it's such an important love language, right? So the father here, he gets uh, the best robe, he gets a ring, he gets sandals, and he lavishes it on his son. The thing that's important about this story is that he had these things prepared for in advance. He was just waiting for his son to come back because he wanted to give him these good gifts just to show that he's valued. The signet ring, this important ring that just shows of his value. So he had these gifts waiting for his son to return, right? So it's a really important love language for many people. The next thing the father does that's really good for us is, you know, grace, it shows up through acts of service. And uh, what the father does, he, he prepares the fattened calf. He throws a party and he celebrates his son. And it's this image of any repentant sinner that comes back to God. Heaven celebrates and heaven throws a party. And that's what we need to do. Our children need to know when they, when they mess up big time, when they make some severe mistakes, that they can always come back. And we'll celebrate the fact that you know, our son, our child was lost and now is found, right? As the father said, he was dead and now he's alive. We celebrate the fact that he has come back, that our, that our children have come back and we just throw this lavish party for them. So we know um, that we need grace. And so when we lavish grace on our children, they actually learn the fact that, you know what? It's okay that they're not perfect they do make mistakes and we make mistakes too. And it's also a good opportunity for us to share with them as fathers. And let's be honest with our children and say, here are some mistakes dad made. Here are some mistakes that if, if, uh, if I could go back as a dad, I would change these things because of this, this is what happened. You know, play it forward to them. Talk about some decisions you made that maybe hurt you or led to regrets. So when we express those things and when we show them grace, they learn actually what God the Father is like. They get this imperfect picture through us of what our perfect Father is like, the fact that He lavishes grace on us. And the best thing about it, when we do these things, we actually make it easier for our children to say yes to the grace of God. We make it easier for our children to recognize that Jesus, He died for our sins. And um, everything that we have done, he has actually done it all for us. All we need to do is to come back, accept him, and learn to follow and to be more like him. So those are five best practices uh, for fantastic dads, right? We need to speak words of affirmation. We need to um, be present and active, and we need to lead with grace. So let me, let me pray for you today.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can call you Father. And dear God, you know that um, on days like today, on days like Father's Day, um, some of us have had really great dads, and we thank you for that. Some of us have maybe had dads that were less than great or dads that weren't present in our life, Lord. And you know that it can be challenging for us. But dear God, we do pray that you meet us right where we are. We ask, dear God, that through, um, through how you present yourself, Lord, as Father, we can learn what it means to be truly great fathers. And Lord, I just pray for the dads today. Encourage them, dear God. Let them know that... Um, uh, that you're not beating them down, Lord. You're calling them and you're trying to inspire them and encourage them to be more like you, but you're not beating them down, dear God. You know the challenges that come with uh, fatherhood, with being a man today, uh, Lord. So just encourage them that you are there working for them. Empower them by your spirit, dear God. Let us, um, let the dads there, let all the men and, and the father figures, let them be um, people who just, um, you know, they fear God. They have a deep reverence for you, Lord, because that's the beginning of all wisdom, Lord. Let them have the wisdom that they need to parent, to lead, to be supportive, to be servants, Lord, to sacrifice themselves for their families and for their community, dear God, knowing that that's what you did, Jesus. You did that for us. So help us to model that to the people that you've entrusted to us. And we're so thankful that we get to be um, dads and men and uh, we get to to lean on you. So be with all the fathers today. Bless them especially. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.